Welcome back to the second episode of the Computing Stories podcast. My name is uh, Luca and today, as in the last episode, I have Bernd Ullmann as a guest. And maybe for the people who didn't hear the last episode, Bernd, who are you? I'm a professor of business informatics in Frankfurt. Um, and what really interests me in my life is unconventional computing and especially analog computing. So I'm fascinated by the idea of solving problems, not by an algorithm, but by setting up an electronic model and then um, letting physics taking over the steering wheel. And in the last episode, we talked a lot about the history of analog computers and what analog computers are but today we want to talk about a little bit different today we would want to talk about um the modern analog computer um so first question there's one um large uh, what, what means large there's one company in germany you are one of the um, founders of it anabrit and you are building analog computers and what do you exactly do today because no one uses them anymore and you do why yeah, that's that's really funny and interesting. Um, everything um, started a couple of years ago when a friend of mine and I uh, set out to develop our own modern analog computer. This was primarily a hobbyist project, but it turned out that there is indeed some market demand for analog computers. And um, we started selling our machines. Uh, these are called Model 1 analog computers, and they are just basically yeah, classic analog computers, but built with modern parts. So everything is surface mounted and no through-hole parts, um, very high integration density. Um, and interestingly, our first customers were universities who realized that several types of problems, especially, for example, problems in the life sciences, can be solved much more easily and much more efficiently with an analog computer than with a digital computer. And after the Model 1, we um, developed a very small, a tiny analog computer called the Analog Thing, um, of which uh, we have now sold several hundred uh, of devices worldwide. And about 50% of our customers are school pupils and hobby and enthusiasts of all kinds, but the other half are companies and universities who are really interested in actually doing research work using analog computers. And our longer-term goal in the company, Anabrit um, uh, consists of analog and hybrid. So um, this gives away what we are intend to do. Our long-term goal is to develop a very modern analog computer, which is uh, integrated. So only one single integrated circuit containing dozens or ideally hundreds of computing elements that um, can be connected in any way to solve arbitrarily complex problems. So we are, our goal is to bring analog computing back into the 21st century. When you uh, hear the last episode, you may remember that we talked about a big problem about um, from patch panels and this. <laughs> these are just awful things. And uh, the modern analog computer um, is proposed to doesn't have these anymore so we are at hybrid computers at some point and in the last episode i said we will talk about these computers in this time so Ben, what are hybrid computers 
Um, basically, a hybrid computer consists of an analog computer and a digital computer. The analog computer typically will act as a co-processor for the digital computer. So the digital computer can offload computationally complex problems, uh, solutions of coupled differential equations and the like to the analog computer, which will generate a, a result very, very quickly. And then the digital computer can read out the result from the analog computer. So the analog computer will become a coprocessor quite like uh, for example we use today graphic cards and CUDA programming and um, the patch panel you are right it's it's a pain in the ass to be honest sorry um, for the blunt wording but it's really time-consuming and error-prone to program a, a complex analog computer program manually you have hundreds or even thousands of cables connecting computing elements and if this wouldn't be horribly enough Imagine changing something in a program or just changing from one program to another program. Classic analog computers had at least removable patch panels so you could pull out a really large metal board with hundreds or thousands of cables and replace it by another pre-patched patch panel but nevertheless this required quite some time to change a program from, uh, from one solution to another. Uh, and on the other hand, um, that was one of the advantages of digital computers. Changing a program just involved loading something into memory, which could be done in mere milliseconds. And an important point for modern analog computers is we have to get rid of this patch panel. So we need some clever way of connecting these computing elements together without the need of actually changing wires in a computer. And basically uh, there, there are technologies to do this. Um, if you think for example um, about um, telephone circuits um, back in the 1920s, um, you already had uh, things that were called crossbar switches. These are matrices, matrices of hundreds or thousands of switches. Back then these switches were relays uh, which were used to connect phone lines with each other. And basically we plan to do the very same but of course not using relays but uh, using field effect transistors as the actual switches on an integrated circuit. By the way, uh, there was an interesting um, historic development which started in the late 1960s. Back then, the NASA, um, the space race was in full swing back then and reconfiguring analog computers was really a problem for the people back then since you had to solve a, a wide variety of different problems with an analog computer in quick succession. So you had one hour for problem A and one hour for problem B. And if you need most of this one hour to just change the program, that's just not, not feasible. And NASA sponsored a research project by one of the largest American analog computer companies, Electronic Associates Incorporated, and they developed something they called an auto patch. And this auto patch system basically made it to the market 20 years later with modern electronic switches. But the first prototypes were really built with read relays and they had several 10,000 read relays just for reconfiguring an analog computer. So that was of course not feasible, but um, some 10 or 100,000 switches on an integrated circuit is not that much of a problem.
Also in my beautiful hometown, a hometown named Stuttgart, there are some myths going around at the university that he also had a um, hybrid computer of this type, um, uh, RR770 and uh, TR4, I think, and uh, together they built a um, hybrid system. This all was this research was conducted by a professor named Walter Royce, but um, nowadays no one knows about him. He is dead, and everybody else on this project who worked at this project is dead. So that's uh, also a little bit sad. That that's really sad, and I would love to learn more about these developments going on in Stuttgart, especially since Telefunken, as you know, has a very special place in my heart. For people who um, ask themselves, now what does Bernd mean with this? Here the last episode that we talked about this special connection. <laughs> a little bit um, advertisement is never bad, so yeah. <laughs> so let's go on. Compu uh, computer companies have a um, hard time at the moment with analog computing, I would say. In Canada, there was a um, startup named Mythic AI, and it isn't a startup anymore. Now it's um, right so difficult to get into this market of computers with such a strange um, paradigm of computing. I think the paradigm shift itself is responsible for 90% of that problem. We have digital computers everywhere in our everyday lives. And now some people come with a completely different uh, way of computing, analog computing or quantum computing, by the way. And it is really hard to uh, change the way people think about uh, computing, especially if your paradigm of computing is not based on an algorithm. Um, everything we do with our current computers is based on an algorithm. So you have a step-by-step -step sequence of instructions which are executed very quickly to solve a problem. But an analog computer or a quantum computer, they don't execute any instructions. They are programmed in a way that you change the connections between computing elements. So you need a completely different mindset to program these machines. And I think one very big challenge is software support for this. We have to develop software and a programming language that, that makes it possible to integrate analog computers into digital computer environments in a trans transparent way so that people don't have to think about the intricacies of actual analog computers, but just can see it as a black box. And they have, for example, Python extension or whatever, which allows to program the analog computer without the necessity of really understanding how an analog computer works under the hood. And uh, I don't know for sure, but I think that might be might have been one problem um, for Mythic AI. Um, they, Mythic AI, they developed um, analog coprocessor chips for artificial intelligence, which is a very, very clever idea, since uh, there's nothing more natural than implementing a highly parallel neural network as we see in biology every day with a, a highly parallel neural network implemented with electronic parts. Um, it is basically perverse what we do with our standard digital computers to implement neural networks by applying lots of linear algebra to this problem. But sadly, um, Mythic AI 
um, was uh, yeah is, gets no longer support from their venture capitalists and uh, had to lay down most of their staff as far as I read it in the press, which is really sad. I hope that uh, there will be some some solution to this problem. But there's, I think there's also the problem, as you said, the problem is that people can't think not in algorithms anymore. So what's the solution for that problem? The solution is to implement or to develop a very, very high-level programming language. Even if you program, for example, in Python or some other current programming language, you are thinking algorithmically. You think in loops and if constructions and whatever. But what we need is a programming language that basically looks and feels like a classic programming language, but allows one to make uh, best usage of the advantages of an analog computer. Ideally, and that is my personal dream, ideally it would be possible just to type in or write down the mathematical equations of the problem one wants to solve and then have these automatically translated into a configuration for an analog computer that will then solve the problem. That would be really ideal, so nobody would have to think about the characteristics of a specific analog computer anymore. But that's a long way to go. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, maybe a little bit about the applications of the, the, these analog computers. Um, quantum computing is a, a, a huge problem with error corrections. And there are... Um, People who say that um, analog computers have certain um, what's the word advantages um, advantages about digital computers to um, solve these um, error correction problems. That is a, that is a really diff difficult question to answer, um, especially since I'm no specialist regarding uh, quantum computers. But as far as I understand it, there are basically two types of quantum computers, quantum gate computers and um, adiabatic quantum computers, for example, like the D-Wave systems. And these adiabatic quantum computers, um, they can be at least it looks like uh, that's possible, um, also implemented in a non-quantum way by using oscillators. Um, if, if someone is interested, you might want to Google for oscillator-based easing machines. Um, he was from Austria, so I think his name is really pronounced easing and not ising. Um, so maybe analog computers can really take some part of the quantum computer uh, pie um, as they might allow to implement things that, for example, a D-Wave computer can do, but much, much simpler. You don't need any intricate uh, cooling system, no need to cool so uh, something down to 40 millikelvin or the like. Um, but of course, you don't have superposition. So you cannot do everything with an analog computer. What you can maybe do in the future with a quantum computer. But I think there are many things that analog and quantum computers can do. And for these things, an analog computer will certainly be the cheaper and way simpler alternative. Mm -hmm. Maybe when we are at the steep computing questions, is the analog compu computer too incomplete? Uh, definitely, and maybe even more. Um, there is an interesting. Uh, there exists an interesting book from an Israeli um, mathematician. I have forgotten her name, but she claims that an analog computer might even be more than just Turing complete. So yes. Um, 
on paper an analog computer is at least Turing complete, but uh, in practice, one has to be honest, an analog computer is a specialized computer, especially since it basically has no memory. It does not execute an algorithm, so it cannot simply store vast amounts of uh, data, for example. And that's one of the reasons why coupling an analog computer to a digital computer is really interesting, because you can get the benefits of both worlds. You get the very high energy efficiency and the very high computing power of an analog computer, but you also get the uh, capability to store vast amounts of data and to make complex decisions with a digital computer. At the moment, a lot of research, research is going uh, on in the memory world and um, especially in the random X, in the resistive random access memory world. So what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> um, the idea is pretty intriguing. Um, the basic idea is to use uh, memoristive elements uh, to store data. Um, a memristor is the fourth passive component in electronics and was predicted in the 1970s by Professor Chua. Um, everyone knows about resistors and capacitors and inductances. Um, and the memristor is a, basically a resistor with a memory capability. So a resistor which changes its resistance resistance according to the current that is flowing through the memory store. And basically this uh, makes it possible um, to store data, for example, in a memory store. And if you have memory stores um, to uh, store data, you can also use memristors to store analog data by changing the resistance of memristors, which might also hold very interesting uh, capabilities for applications in artificial intelligence for this technology you just spoke of this ai is one big applications for such computers what what are other um, future applications for analog computers or are not applications for analog computers to start with the simpler part of the question, uh, basically all applications which requires, uh, requ require to store vast amounts of data and retrieve these data quickly are not suited for an analog computer since it has no memory at all. Um, on the other hand, all applications where you have to solve um, systems of couple differential equations quickly and very energy efficiently are ideally suited for analog computers. So we will see analog computers in wide variety of applications ranging from high performance computing, where the short time to solution is of utmost importance, um, to um, artificial intelligence, to medical implants, basically to, 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 to nearly everything in our everyday lives. For example, mobile devices can profit a lot from analog computers. Um, the fantasy is the limit here. There are also people that say analog computers are per perfectly suited for the military. Why? Basically, analog computers cannot be hacked in a traditional way. Um, of course, if you have a reconfigurable analog computer, which is controlled by a digital computer, when you compromise the digital computer, you can compromise the analog computer. But when you have an analog computer, which is, uh, has a fixed configuration to solve a certain problem, for example, guidance and control of a rocket or the like, um, it cannot be hacked um, 
at all. And an analog computer is typically much, much simpler from an implementation point of view than a digital computer. So it is much easier to make an analog control system for some weapon system or the like, which can be radiation hardened or made tamper proof or whatever. So I think there might be very interesting applications for analog computers also in the military area. And then also you said before analog computers have problems or at least how we think about analog computers. There's a huge problem in that because no one knows them anymore. So what can we do to make people open their eyes about analog computers? We need analog computer awareness, so to speak. Um, we have to bring back the very idea, the technology and the mathematics behind analog computers into schools and universities. That is a real, real interesting problem since you need young people interested in the, this technology to further the application and development of this technology. So one of the most important things is we need cheap analog computers um, so that students, hobbyists, Everybody who is interested in this basic technology can gain some hands-on experiences with these devices. And um, I mentioned it it's before uh, we developed a very small um, analog computer, but it's capable of solving really interesting problems um, called the analog thing. And this is really ideally suited for this kind of application to bring analog computing to the masses, so to speak. We are in a pretty similar situation as uh, digital computing was in the late 1970s or early 1980s. A digital computer prior to this was a large installation which often cost multi-millions of dollars and it was only the home computer revolution that actually brought computing to the masses and thus um, spread interest in this technology and ex exactly like this we have to bring analog computing to the masses so that people can get yeah, their hands dirty with analog computers and gain really first-hand experience in programming and using these devices. Mm -hmm. And uh, then another question we talked about before that analog computer companies have a different, uh, a complicated time at the moment, but is there also another reason that there are so not many, so less companies who produce analog computers? <laughs> I think the main problem is that analog computing is a complete paradigm shift when compared to digital computing. It is, you cannot um, hire an analog computer specialist since there are not many uh, of us out there in the wild. So if you want to uh, create a company um, devoted to analog computing, your first problem is to get employees. And um, typical, uh, our typical employees are either electronic engineers who are down on the circuit level and develop the electronics we use, or we have mathematicians and physicists who understand the mathematics and the physical behavior of the systems we implement. But um, the main problem is really, it is so easy nowadays to get uh, your foot into uh, digital computing, just install Python on some device and off you go. It's a simple programming language. Uh, the hurdle is very low to get started. On the other hand, with analog computing, as of now, it's basically a mathematical machine which shies away maybe 80% of the people who might be interested, but they see, oh God, mathematics, and they are gone. Um, and the next problem is an analog computer 
is a really completely different beast. You don't program it in an algorithmic way. So you need a complete change in your mindset. And that makes it really different, difficult for existing companies to get into analog computing and also makes it hard for startups to to to, to get uh, yeah, people um, versed in analog computing to develop really new products. We talked a lot about the... Uh, um near future of analog computers but then the big question is what's your opinion on the long-term future of analog computers that is only my personal opinion but i am sure that whenever we will experience a real artificial intelligence a device which is capable of self-learning and progressing on its own, I'm sure this will be an analog computer, not a digital one. And I'm also sure that we will see analog computers in nearly every application in the not too far future from mobile devices, where we can profit from the incredible energy efficiency and reconfigurability of modern analog computers to applications in high performance computing in smart appliances for trigger word detection or the like. So I am really convinced that analog computing as such has a very bright future. And you just spoke about the energy efficiency of analog computers. And this is also a huge point for analog computers, right? Definitely. There are many areas of application where energy uh, is at a premium. Uh, take, for example, medical applications. You want to get uh, data from a patient's body during treatment or you have a brain implant, a brain pacemaker or a heart pacemaker or the like. All these applications have in common that they are basically coupled to an inherently analog system, a body, and you have not... You have a very tight uh, energy budget. Um, typically, you need uh, accumulators or batteries for powering the system, which is really not very comfortable. And using analog computing technologies, it is possible to envision, for example, medical implants, which are so energy efficient that they can be powered with uh, energy um, gotten by energy harvesting from within the body. Or take, for example, smart home appliances, uh, some Alexa or whatever you are calling. Um, just trigger word detection is an interesting problem. I think way more than 90% of its time, some smart appliance like Alexa is just sitting there and waiting for someone to say its name. Uh, but you need a digital processor just to sit there and wait for someone to say something. And an interesting approach is to use an analog computer for trigger word detection. The analog computer uses much less power than the digital computer. It's also in this application much less powerful, but it can detect a trigger word. And when it detects a trigger word like Alexa or whatever, it then can wake up the digital computer to take over the complicated part of the uh, communication with the device. And then one last question as a tradition for my German podcast. Is there anything you want to give on the way uh, for the listeners? What I would like 
everyone to know and really feel is um, that at the heart of everything we do nowadays with our computers and with our world basically is described by mathematics. So it's not only important to get a feeling for the mathematical principles, but also not to be frightened away by mathematics. Uh, that is a problem I see, especially with analog computers. When I talk about analog computers with my students or the like, they often see, oh dear, there's a lot of mathematics involved and they are literally scared away. And uh, that is a real problem. There's no reason to be scared away by mathematics. Is just a language to describe natural phenomena and mathematics is at the heart of every digital and also every analog computer. So my, my tip would be don't be afraid of mathematics, have fun with mathematics and with computing machines of course. <laughs> True words and at this point a huge thanks to you for taking the time again to um, speak in this podcast. I think this um, is a quite interesting episode. Thank you very much for the invitation and I'm also sure that uh, this was a very interesting episode of your podcast. Thanks and uh, um, I hope you as a listener also enjoyed this episode. I hope you aren't too scared by my um, English and I hope you will tune in in the next episode. Until then, goodbye.